Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to another Giants Double Play Podcast. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm coming to you from Goodyear, Arizona, where I am thrilled to be talking to Tim Flannery, the popular and peripatetic retired third base coach for the Giants. He is a true baseball renaissance man, a singer-songwriter, surfer, activist, and an unabashed social media provocateur. We'll talk to Tim right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back with you on the Giants Double Play Podcast. I'm Henry Schulman, Giants beat reporter for the Chronicle. I'm here with Tim Flannery. Uh, and uh, on the introduction of the podcast, I called you a baseball renaissance man. Hmm. Is that okay? Absolutely. I think that, that fits. Okay. You are here uh, in uniform. You don't spend a lot of days in uniform. Uh, you're here as one of the guest coaches, guest instructors. We have a lot of them. Uh, what What's kind of your main duties here as a guest instructor, and how much do you enjoy it? You know, I don't think I, I love it. First of all, I love just to, to be back. It's just enough for me, you know, at this point to, to get in the car and drive across the desert. All the years I played, you know, I did 26 years in the big leagues, but also I've had about eight years, nine years in the minor leagues as a player and a, ma- a minor league manager. Every spring training has been in Arizona. I've never been to Florida for spring training, and, and, and that's kind of unique. Um, so I enjoy getting in the car and driving across the desert, even if it's for a week. And the night before I leave or a couple of days before I leave, I get really weird and I start pacing. And my wife says, this is how you always were. And now you're not even going over there really for any other reason except to go. Uh, and you still get the same way. And I think it's just a natural thing that happens to us who have been baseball people our whole lives. Uh, but when I come over, really, it's mainly selfishly. I like to, because I do television, I want to know all the people. I want to know the men. I want to know a little bit more, so I'll be a little bit uh, more prepared on television to, to, to be able to tell what's, what's right and the truth there. But uh, I still hit fungos. A couple guys will come up and ask questions. I'll do a little bunning uh, with them. But uh, mainly, I just try to come over and be positive, and I love to hang out with with Boach a little bit uh, without the pressure of a game situation where 
uh, he, I go, oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's my friend from all the years, you know, because he gets a little bit different when the season starts. Yeah, and uh, we talked about that when you first got hired here along with Bochy in 2007. He, he came from a military background, and he's a real believer in, uh, you know, uh, responsibility of the uh, lieutenants. Uh, so it, I guess it is nice to, to be here with Bochy, the friend. Now this is going to be the last time here at the Giants. And uh, uh, you just your thoughts on uh, his decision to retire and, you know, specifically – I'm just wondering if you have a sense that, uh, like a lot of people believe, that while he feels he can still be a good manager, maybe he believes that with a new administration and changes in the game, maybe this is the right time to get out. Well, I think it's a perfect time for him to get out. And, and you're right. There are a lot of changes, and there's a lot of old-school managers. There's only a couple left, and he's one of them, and Madden's another. And soon it's just changed to where it's different now. Uh I think it's great for him, first of all, 25 years in the major leagues without being fired as a manager is remarkable, and then he managed four years in the minor leagues before that, and then he played his career, was probably 12, 15 years, so he has not had a, a break. He, he never got fired, he never took time off, it's been constant for him, so uh, I, I'm excited that he'll be able to have a little bit of time to do other things. Uh, but this also, the announcing when he did, it, it now takes the pressure off of, of everybody. It takes the, it, he doesn't have to go out tonight to dinner and have to answer the question. He doesn't have to, to talk to the Cincinnati folks today and answer the question. He can just say, hey, I'm, after this year, I'm done. And I think uh, that was one of the reasons he felt it, it, it should be addressed right off the top. Have you noticed any difference in him uh, this year since, since you came by a couple of days ago? I, a little bit, but I know him too well. And, and my wife and I was laughing. We had a writer the other day who was over at the house, and he said, yeah, well, well Boach will you know, finally get to just kick back and relax and enjoy it. And my wife just started laughing. and said, that's not what he'll do. If anything, he's going to play every card he has left. He's going to try every trick he has left. He's going to try to win. He, he doesn't, it doesn't matter even if this ball club – might not be as good as some of the other teams in the division. He's going to find a way to try to get it done one last time. Uh, he always used to say after the last day of spring training, right before the season, he goes, okay, I'll see you guys later because I'm turning into the other guy. And you know the other guy as well. He can be a little tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, he, he also told us that uh, he, he wouldn't refuse. Somebody asked him, well, are you, are you really going to retire? Is there a chance you can, you'll come back and manage maybe a, a little bit later on? And he said, never say never. Do you really think this is going to be his last year as a manager? I do. I do. I think he's going to uh, become a, more of a special assistant, uh, a consultant, uh, just a, another great baseball mind around the game. Uh, with opinions if, if, in fact, they're asked. So uh, I really do believe it. And, I, and even today in spring training, and even the last day I, I'm here with him, I, I'm going to probably say, hey, you know, we've done this a long, long time, and uh, this, this is probably it for him. And uh, you, you've had breaks from baseball in your career. Uh, and a few years ago, uh, you just decided it was enough. I know you had some physical issues that made it hard to be a third-base coach, but there was more to it than that, wasn't there? Yeah, it, it got very demanding for me. The, just the, you know, you win three world championships and, and you don't want to manage and you say to yourself, what am I supposed to do as a coach? Am I just supposed to run up and down this line and keep doing it until, you know, and I just felt like I didn't want to have to every day get up and prepare 
and meet the demand and the demand I put on myself to coach third the way I coached third because I couldn't do it any other way. I needed to, to, to see life from a different perspective. I, I love the idea of you know, doing the television that I'm doing. I'm still close enough to the game. But there's nothing I miss about uh, the game itself because it's, the game doesn't allow you to pick out your favorite little special spots. you got to take the big old package, and there's giant demands that come with it. The travel, the demand of winning, uh, the restrained the relationships that can happen in your family, and also your own health. I felt like I was, you know, I, I felt like I was drinking too hard. I felt like I didn't like who I was becoming. That's the best way to do it. And I wanted to to, to, to not be that guy anymore. And uh, I'm happy I made that decision. And you're living a healthier lifestyle now, you feel? I'm living a great lifestyle. It's just, you know, I, I love it. Uh, I get to play music a lot more. And, and, and uh, I got a couple grandkids now that, uh, that are beautiful. But I, I'm still doing 90 games on television. So that's still a demand in itself because the se- you realize how, how long the season is when you get away from it. And we, just to be clear to our listeners, you're going to be doing pre and post game, correct? On NBC sports Bay area. You're not actually doing in game yes. booth work. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the hour pregame and the hour post game at NBC. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought up the music. That was a good transition. I mean, uh, I think by now most Giants fans know that you have been a singer and a songwriter for many, many years. You have how many albums out? I'm just about to release my 14th, April 27th at the Fox theater, Redwood city. Yeah, um, and uh, you had a great name for it. Uh, it. It wasn't Irish folk music. Uh, what, what did you call it? Irish hillbilly? What, what did you call it? We call it, it's funny how everyone wants to label it. We call it punk folk at times. We call it Americana music. We call it uh, Americosmic, like Graham Parsons and the Flying Burrito Brothers. But we've actually uh, got a little bit more rockish and electric in our old age for some reason. We're um, playing a whole bunch we're all over the place and and uh, the thing I love is I get to uh, give the money away to our nonprofit, the Love Harder Project that allows us to uh, shine some awareness and combat a little bit of the bullying and violence and uh, we, we, we the music allows me to help those those types of programs and the Love Harder Project was born out of the uh, Brian Stowe I, I remember going to your first benefit concert at Yoshi's in San Francisco I believe it was uh, which is no longer there that was one of the first two concerts and you actually raised a lot of money at the time just to help pay Brian Stowe's medical bills was that correct yeah, absolutely. The, the, the funny thing, Hank, is, you know, we didn't do anything different than I, I've always been a musician. I've always played. I've, like you said, 14 records. I've always toured and done shows in the off season. Uh, for me, the miracle was everybody showing up and writing these checks with, because we're still just going to play the shows no matter what. And uh, to be able to raise close to $200,000 for him, and that was before we were a nonprofit. And that's when we said, you know, we should set this thing up so we can do this and and continue to do it. Uh, So we've been up and running for about seven years now as the the nonprofit. And people could check us out at loveharderproject.org. Every penny from the music, every penny from the merch. 
it all goes. I mean, my wife won't even let me put a tank of gas on it. And I said, honey, this is a nonprofit. It's not the lose everything you have project, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just kind of alluded to the, the purpose of the Love Harder project, but maybe if you could elaborate a little bit more on where this money really goes. Well, we, we have grants that every month uh, or every two, three months, schools around the Bay Area, all of California, uh, they write to us and say, here's what we're doing in our school. Could And and we pick out three every couple of months to give them money for their own projects. We've also, when I play, I played Chico not too long ago, I left the check there for the domestic violence refuge. Uh, we've helped the fire survivors up there in Reading. We just did that not too long ago. Uh, and... and we still give a little bit to Brian, but Brian's really doing great on his own now. And he is got the ultimate package when it comes in to talk to schools about being bullied and the anti-bullying. The kids know it's it's real. And he is really touching a lot of people and changing some hearts. So we're trying to support him and support other types of programs like that. And I, I just have to tell you that the money aside, uh, I've been to two of your concerts Um it's uh, Tim Flannery and the Lunatic Fringe, and that's actually uh, Lunatic Fringe is actually results from a mm -hmm. quote in a Brian Sabian story from 2003 in one of my stories, and I'm thrilled that it's now uh, part of a uh, part of a band name. But you've also gotten to play with so many great musicians uh, in in folk music and in rock music. Uh, is that kind of a thrill for you? I mean, you seem thrilled when you announce these people who are, are going to be on stage with you. I can even sense it through your social media that you're thrilled by it. Absolutely. I mean, just one guy in particular of late is Jerry Jeff Walker, who is, was a hero of mine. And in 1979, I played in the Texas League in Amarillo. And uh, I, I wanted to play every song of his. And now we've become great friends. And I'm actually on March 24th playing the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas with him. So, uh, he, yeah, there's so much. The musicians and the our lifestyles have always been the same. And through the years, uh, I've met and really had great, great friends help me and teach me. Uh, Jackson Brown, Bruce Hornsby, uh, with this brand new record that we made, Jason Mraz just gave me a studio for free. No kidding. And I've never met the man. He just is that cool where he knows what we're doing. And uh, look, this guy's not only the best vocal I've ever heard. He's got the best vocal mics I've ever heard. I mean, this guy's got a studio out in the middle of the country that is just beautiful and just opened it up for us. So uh, it's been a great to still do it, you know, to, to just to continue to do it. And, and thank you for the name, because that's exactly what happened. This this used to be years and years ago. My wife said, you'd go from that baseball team to that damn band. I said, honey, that's not the name of the band. So we were that damn band for a while. And then she goes, I don't drink at all until you guys show up. So we for three years, we were the enablers. Uh, and then when we <laughs> came up here, I knew that that Brian did that with and I didn't know it was your story. So you helped name this band. And we decided to change it to the Lunatic Fringe. Same guys I've been playing with for 30 years. We're just under different names every once in a while. And uh, how, about how many concerts do you do a year, you think? I'd say about 40. Uh, you know, we go out on three-day runs. We just came back from one, and we're going out again the 15th at B Street Theater in Sacramento, Half Moon Bay, and then Novato. And, uh, and then we crank it up again in April when we release this record. 
And uh, what's the name of the record? And also, what website can people go to see a schedule of your concerts? Uh, the website's timflannery.com, and that'll take you all over the place, take you to iTunes, whatever you need, and every cent will go from the money to, to the project. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, the, the new record's called The Light, and uh, it's... Uh, it's, I'm really, really looking forward to people hearing it. The, the, we've been playing together as a band for a long time, and we went in there in two days, recorded it as a band, uh, and and I, I think it's the best work. I I don't, you know, you keep thinking that's it. There's nothing more, but this one, I don't know if there's not much left to say after this one. Well, uh, I, you're not announcing your retirement from songwriting no, and record making, though. No, but I, absolutely not. That saves me. It keeps me from jumping. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, makes you sometimes want to jump is social media. And, of course, I'm on it. I have to be on it. You've gotten on it. You have a Twitter account named Am- at Tim Flannery, too. And um, you really don't hold back on, on your opinions, your opinions on the game, your opinions on the government. I don't think it's a big shock uh, to anybody who's followed you that you're not a fan of the current administration. Um, what is your What was your evolution just in terms of um, becoming vocal about things like the game and politics and doing so on social media? Well, f- first of all, Hank, I, you know, I'm not even sure it's politics. For me, it's morality. It's how you, you, I was taught to treat people and how not to treat people. And we give every penny and drive all over the, all over the place for anti-violence and anti-bullying. So it's hard for me to, to be able to relate to that type of, 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 uh, treatment or whatever I, you know but you're right I, I I've gotten that way Twitter for me has been a great working tool being on television I have all of you all the baseball writers are there so if something happens especially when I was back at MLB Network because you're doing three-hour shows you've got the information you have and also if you don't tell people that you're playing a gig no one's going to show up because my wife will say you're on social media I go honey if I don't tell anybody we're playing, nobody's going to show up. So that's where the Facebook goes. And that's, uh, uh, but you're right. I, I'm to the point where, you know, maybe it's because I coached third base for 20 years and every night you would run out and people would just scream at you and call you names. And I've just gotten a little bit callous uh, in the sense where enough of that, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And you always see it. If somebody comes at me, I go, because I'm not asking, you're the one that mentions, I have never asked anybody to follow me, you know, so anybody gets mad at me, I just say, I didn't ask you, I'm not here for your entertainment, I'm here because this is who I am, I hope you like it, I don't care if you don't. And you do have some issues with some of the modern thinking in the game. Uh, I'm not saying you're, uh, you know, a Philistine or anything like that, but you do have some issues. Uh, How would you describe that? I love the information. I love the analytics. I love all that they got. The one thing, though, that they're forgetting is the collective intangibles. Bruce Bochy has got this collective intangibles where he lets all the guys be themselves, and each one brings their own personality and their own intangibles. That can't be quantified. He lets it manifest in a clubhouse like he did in 2010 with the misfits and those other two world series we won we probably weren't the best team but we all brought something hunter pence sometimes looked terrible and wouldn't get a hit for a long time 
But because of his positivity, he elevated Brandon Crawford. Now, Brandon Crawford played better, maybe got more hits. How do you quantify that? You can't. So I just don't want the human element to be forgotten in the middle of the analytics because that would make for a real boring day. Do you uh, feel at all that with some of the stuff you've said uh, in social media that uh, maybe you have burned a bridge, uh, burned some bridges if you ever wanted to get back in the game? Do you even care about that? I don't care about it. I, I'm, I'm, I don't care about that's not. I was raised a certain way and uh, and the morality issue and the way you treat people. That's I will not compromise it. I will not let the normalizing of hate just become part of life. I won't do it. I, I will. I, I just, my line is drawn in the sand and I'm, I'm willing to die for it. I'm not even afraid of that. You know, uh, I owe that to my mother who's 87 and, and needs help. Uh, I owe that to my two grandkids. Uh, I owe it to other people other than myself. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not one. To, I'm not going to get back in the game. <laughs> Okay, well, that that sounded pretty definitive. You had, uh, obviously, some great moments in the game as a player. I mean, you were in the 1984 uh, World Series. You played 11 years in the major leagues. Real throwback player, by the way. Nine home runs in... Uh, right? Yeah. In uh, 10 years. That's what I tell these guys when I was teaching base running and bunting and, and productive outs. I go, look, I played 10 years in the major leagues. I only hit nine home runs. So there's something I, could, I, I did pretty well to stick around. Uh, and it was a different time back then. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you, you've been one of the best bunning teachers around, and that's not part of the game anymore. But I just was wondering, um, if you had to pick one, I'm putting you on a spot, one of your, your greatest memory, the, the, the thing that, you know, if you wanted to sit one of your grandchildren on your knee and they said, you know, Grandpa, what, what's the best memory you've had in, in baseball? What would you say? Uh, coming to San Francisco and being a giant and the last day of the season on 2010 when we beat the San Diego Padres that last day, it kind of made us giants. And then the run, because we'd been to the World Series twice before and lost the World Series in San Diego. And then you'd go home and people would say, oh, what a great year, what a great year. And it was a great year. But until you win the, the whole thing and until there's nobody else left to beat, when you win it all, there's nothing like it. And uh, to do that three times in five years is stupid. And, and to think that as a kid, I'm in the backyard uh, playing wiffle ball, how you're imagining game six, game seven of the world. Nobody was, I never got up there and said, Tim Flannery is in his fifth World Series. You know, I mean, it, it's mind boggling. I've told this to the coaches. I've told it to even to Bruce Bochy. Until you get away from it, you won't even know uh, the magnitude of what we pulled off. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think that n none of you who were parts of the 2010, 2012, and 2014 championships will ever be forgotten here. Uh, before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you one more chance to let us uh, know the websites uh, for both the Love Harder Project and uh, where they can find uh, where people can find your music. Uh, again, uh, Twitter is at Tim Flannery Two, right? Uh, what about the websites again? TimFlannery.com is in my music there. You can hit the tour button and see where we're playing. And you can then, it'll take you to CD Baby, where we have records. Uh, iTunes, you can find us there. Uh, I'm all over YouTube. You can check that out as well. But uh, LoveHarderProject.org, I'm doing it all for that. And uh, I really would think you'd like to check it out. And I'd love, love 
your support, and I can promise you, nobody gets paid. We we have an accountant that uh, gets paid by the hour when she does her work, but it's all organic. It's all family, and it's all people who uh, know that love uh, love is going to out. Love always wins, and we're not quitting. Great. Well, um, that's a great way to end this, and I hope you enjoy your time here. Uh, I, I think you're going to be here till about Saturday, right? Saturday. I always actually leave a day early. I don't, don't tell him. And then the next morning, Boach will go, where's Flan? And then Woda says, he quit again, Boach. So this will be the third year I've done that. It's already I've already planned it. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks, Hank. I want to thank Tim Flannery for joining me on today's Giants Double Play podcast. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Spring Training. Giants Double Play is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at Hank Schulman. You can support Giants Double Play and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.